Hello, everybody. It's been a long time. Been a long time. Been a long, lonely, lonely, lonely. It's been a long time, Dakota. Has it not been a long time? Nah, uh, feels like a lifetime ago, my friends. It feels like forever, and yet it feels like the first time. I'm just going to keep using song titles. <laughs> but yeah, we're back. We never really were gone. We just weren't here. And you can take that however you want to take it, but that's how it's been. So it's good to be back and bring you another episode. Uh, I think all of you should have just known that we would never have let the last episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies on record be Pirates 5. That just uh, that would just be an ugly way to go out. Just like yeah. Johnny Depp's going out that way. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty miserable. I mean, that yeah, would... Just... We were we were kind of talking earlier about Planet of the Apes movies and kind of reminds me of Sal Minio. His last one was Escape from the Pl- his last movie was Escape from the Planet of the Apes, and he had a pretty like unclimactic ending too. Yeah. I must say it's like yeah, his character died horribly in the movie. Like, does he even take his helmet off? Yeah, he's he's in it for one. He has one scene. <laughs> yeah, he's like on the beach. <laughs> he gives it his all for one scene, and then he's he dies, and then of course he was, I think, killed right. Like, oh yeah, in, in real life. Yeah, because that's like one of his last movies he made, isn't yeah. it? And yeah, and terrible, terrible, terrible ending. Uh, he left behind an impressive body of work. I know to older people, they they kind of remember him. Some of you younger folk, maybe not so much. Even folk our age, yeah, folk a few years older than us. Even. We we should know who Salminio is, but we're weirdos. So <laughs> look him up. He does have an impressive filmography. If you see some of the movies he's in, so the poor man's El Pacino. <laughs> just <laughs> kidding. I just threw that out there, folks. He's not the poor man's. He's def. He's a middle class El Pacino. <laughs> in today's, by today's standards of Al Pacino, he's basically Al Pacino <laughs> because. Al Pacino, need I remind you, was in that, what was that movie even called? Jack and Jill. I was going to say Mork and Mindy, but that was not right. <laughs> Jack and Jill. Ugh. Anyway. I think that's why he's not in many films these days. Hey, I'll, I just want to say once again, welcome to Dakota Boys Talk Movies, because if any of you are new to the show, this is how it is. We get off on tangents on movie things, and it's fun. Sometimes what people do best is improvise. What we do best is randomness. Randomness, which is, as Michael Scott from The Office would say, improvisation. It's an improv conversation. Okay. So, yes. So, on this episode, we are going to actually review a review movie, not just babble for another five minutes or ten minutes. Uh, we are going to be talking about, and we know we're a little late, but we're finally able to get back together, and so... We're kind of playing catch-up, but thought maybe you guys maybe saw the movie late, or maybe you just like to listen to us talk about a movie that's been out a while. We like to talk about old movies on here, even anyway, but so this is like a a semi-recent release of Spider-Man Homecoming, which came out July 7th, I believe. Yes, sir. So, uh, so around the time we release this, it'll have been out not quite a month. And, uh, yeah. And so this is the third actor to play Spider-Man in what? 15 years. I was thinking more like nine. Has it been nine years? Well, I mean, since Tobey Maguire started, Tobey Maguire started in like 2001 or two. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we've had. Three Spider-Mans, and this is the sixth solo Spider-Man film in that amount of time also, which is kind of astounding. Yeah. Um, Usually, movie franchises that have six movies over the course of that time frame are horror movies that have Saw in the title or something of the sort. Uh, Not usually a a superhero movie, especially one uh, this high profile. Yeah, it's pretty shocking when you actually think about it that there's been six Spider-Man movies in that short of time when he is like, I mean, he's popular, but usually the popular things, those movies usually take a while. That's very true, and the interesting thing of it is it's not like a continuation of the first Spider-Man. It's true. Yeah, they're all they've all the three have essentially been living in their 
their own universes. Yeah, this is a this is a fresh reboot. I mean, he was introed in Civil War, but this is like we said his first solo outing. And uh and whether you believe it was because of the Sony hacks or not, Spider-Man is in the MCU. And so we have Tony Stark and Happy Hogan and Pepper Potts and a sl- somewhat cameo of Captain America all showing up in this in this feature which Dakota uh how do how do you feel about this whole MCU Spider-Man movie? Like what okay okay what do you mean? So going into this movie, you knew yeah, everybody knew Tony Stark was going to be in it for sure and all this stuff. How did you feel about that? I, I was okay and with it before, like before you saw it. I I mean, I don't know, I was okay. I mean, it seemed a little more natural to me that he should kind of have other Marvel characters running around interacting with him. I mean, uh, we when we were younger, there was the uh, Spider-Man show. I believe it was on Fox. Fox, right? Yeah, Fox Kids. Yeah, and he was always every every once in a while he would interact with other people. X Men. Uh, the Punisher stopped by every once in a while. Yeah, it seemed like really commonly it would be like the X Men, like Wolverine at least. Yeah, even Blade. They had a version of Blade yeah, in that show. That's right, they did. Man, yeah. Yeah. He was in a few episodes. Yeah. Uh, just so many, so many interactions, and that's kind of one thing. That's one thing that sucks. Um, I mean, at the same time, I'm kind of glad Fox owns the rights to X Men because we're not going to get. Uh, a watered down version of some of these characters that shouldn't be watered down, um, but I really wish we could just see a movie where you saw just Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and Spider Man hanging out, <laughs> especially a, a Spider Man version like this where he's kind of a young, uh, clueless nerd who wouldn't be used to like this dude who smokes cigars and chugs whiskey. Uh, shoving his claws into people's faces. I mean, it just—it'd be interesting to see, more or less, to see what the two actors did with it. Yeah, or, uh, yeah, yeah. That would—that <laughs> would definitely be a lot different experience than his interacting with Tony Stark. It was in this movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was interacting with with uh, Wolverine in that capacity. So, so, so going in. You would say, "Oh yeah, this makes sense. I'm excited to see what they do with this." Yes. Okay. Um, I would have been in this, or I I am in the same boat. I I would say for the most part, it's like, yeah, I like this idea because there were a few movies where it, like it almost didn't make, and these were ones that were even in the MCU where it didn't make any sense that no other heroes hardly showed up, and it's like, well, you know, I get that this is happening really quick, but you'd think it would have been on one of their radars, so maybe like at least kind of do the old mom peeking in the room and make sure everything's okay type situation. Um, and so that part I was like, well, yeah, this makes sense. I'm kind of cool. Or this will be cool to have like maybe this kind of mentor, mentee, father, son type interactions between them. And then however they decide to use the chem, if there's any chemistry between May and Tony, since the last time he left Tony, him and Pepper were kind of maybe having a falling Maybe not a falling out, but complicated relationship thing. And so, yeah, so what did all this mean? And then going into the movie, how did you feel about about that aspect of it? About this whole united in the MCU aspect of it, Dakota? All right, it's time to come clean. This might uh, ruffle a couple feathers here, but uh, I actually was hoping uh, Tony Stark had very little screen time. Why, you ask? I still haven't forgiven him for essentially creating Ultron, for essentially trying to kill Captain America and Bucky Barnes in Civil War. I mean, (laughs) he he did kind of turn on him in a moment of just fear, just utter rage that would kind of make the Hulk stop and go, whoa, dude, you got some anger issues. <laughs> We'd say in that Hulk, Hulkified way, raging fire. <laughs> but I just, I still, still don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm an Iron Man guy anymore. He kind of, he kind of tainted his own legacy. And there were some parts in this movie where he, he talks about recklessness. And it's like, 
Dude, have you learned to not be so reckless? Yes. Yes. That that was some of the problems that I saw too was that he's like you know, stick to what you're good at, don't be reckless, all this stuff. Where it's like, okay, I get they're trying to have this kind of relationship, but yeah, it's like you know, looked in the mirror, <laughs> you know, yeah. or are we supposed to just assume it's like I've had to learn from my mistakes. Don't make my mistakes. I don't know. But like you said, it's so fresh. A lot of those things that he has done that. Yeah, it it, it, it does kind of like. You, well, you're right. And, and that is part of the issue is that. Civil War ended. Granted, Civil War was a Captain America movie, so maybe you were supposed to lean his way. But at the end of the movie, you still kind of think he's a little bit of a D-bag. Yeah. And so it was weird to jump from that to just lovable Tony Stark, in a sense. And so, yeah, that, that part was hard. And I think... I don't think that that's what ultimately was the biggest damaging point of this movie. So what this movie, kind of the, to lay the groundwork for what this movie plotline is, if you haven't seen it or, or again, kind of in that camp of, haven't seen it, I guess, really, is Peter is, just, it, they're they're playing the Peter struggling in high school aspect of it mixed with, him trying to understand his place as a person w- with powers and him wanting to do more than he is and believing himself to be capable of doing more than he is. He helped with the event, the airport incident in Civil War, and so he believes himself to be ready for, as the Jedi would say, I'm ready for the trials. You know, like he's ready to be considered an Avenger whereas Tony is saying you're not you're still learning you just need to be a kid um I gave you I you know I gave you that suit so you could do some of these small things it's kind of like training in a sense but you're not ready for the big stuff like you think you are. it's basically Anakin now that I think about it where Anakin's like I'm ready stop holding me back Obi-Wan <laughs> you know yeah and so it's kind of that going on there, but you also see like the relationship drama, friendship drama, family drama, all kind of interacting within that world. And uh, the most interesting thing I found in this movie is that the first scene in the movie is the origin of the villain. Yeah. Which, has there been an MC movie yet that has started with... Where your very your opening scene is the origin of the villain? Uh the closest thing would be uh Captain America, but he was already uh Johann Schmidt was already a villain by that time. That's true. That movie opened with uh yeah. He, yeah he's already established as the Red Skull though. Yeah. But yeah, because this was interesting, you have uh Michael Keaton uh plays the villain in this who ultimately comes the vulture. And he is a construction worker who put all his money into this basket of getting this job of cleaning up um, New York after the events of the first Avengers movie. So timeline here would be 2012. And this government group known as Damage Control, sponsored by Tony Stark, comes in and says, "We're, we're superseding any licensing you have, any deals you made. We're cleaning up. And... How did you feel about his switch? It was a pretty quick switch. So all of a sudden he goes from, I have all the legal paperwork, to all of a sudden, like, just like a with the snap of a finger, he was, times are changing, we're changing with it. I'm going to be a thief. Yeah. That I was a quick switch. Yeah. I feel like this is the sort of dude who grew up in, like, the rough part of town. His morals were probably pretty loose from the get-go. Like, he knew, like... Yeah. Like, he, he was friends with that guy who robbed, like, a convenience store when they grew up. Like, just read about in the papers, like, oh, man, they got Jimmy. What a shame. So what you're telling me is that I'm just supposed to assume that he's an average New Yorker? Because that <laughs> seems pretty mean to New York to just say, well, your average well, New Yorker is basically, 
you know, one bad day away <laughs> from being a supervillain. Well, there are many comic or, book stories. I don't stories. know if a supervillain, but a villain. There are a lot of comic book stories. Maybe it's more natural for me to think that because there are like lots of comic book stories where it's like, oh, it's that one bad day that that broke the guy and he, he turned to crime. But that's because a comic book only has like 37 pages. Yeah. But like I said, you have in this movie we had two hours and twenty minutes. <laughs> you got to remember though, there's a six year difference. So I'm pretty sure with essentially the guy has in his hands alien technology, and he has this what I'm assuming was some sort of tech whiz. I know he was. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name who played him. Who played the tinker? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what. But uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, this guy helping him alter this technology and maybe originally they weren't selling it for criminal activities. (laughs) Maybe like we don't know what happened. I mean, maybe he tried to market weapons of the military. That's true. Yeah. So we have, we have that. And then it kind of jumps to the present day of the movie, which would be after the events of civil war. And, uh, What's interesting is we're we're supposed to assume that the vulture is like a low level crook, even though he has alien technology from the Avengers and has a giant flying contraption that is almost more capable than Falcons. That's why I find it kind of interesting that it's like just the way it like he is kind of like why is nobody really talking about him very much? It just seems like he should be more talked about, you would think, if there's this guy. Yeah, I think I part know. of it has to do with it's Michael Keaton, and he did come off as pretty sympathetic. I mean, yeah. you know, government took my baby away, you know. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Then, so, and and here's the thing. I, I, let's, let's back up a little bit. Michael Keaton is one of the highlights of this movie. Yes. He's very good. He's yeah. very good at this role. And you're right. Dakota is right when he said you – you did have sympathy for him at times, but ultimately, he was always the bad guy to you. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like a Dr. Octopus situation, Spider-Man 2, where to the end, you were kind of sympathetic toward him. Like, no, you know, you pretty much always thought of him as a guy you didn't like. But there was just enough sympathy there where you could at least see some of his side, I guess would be a way to put it. Um. Just overall thoughts of the movie, Dakota. What do you think were the strong points? Let's start there. Uh, easily would be Tom Holland. Okay. Easily. Tom Holland would be who played Peter Parker Spider-Man. Just yeah. in case you didn't know that. but he. It was almost like Spider-Man. I mean, I, I never really bought Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. I think... I bought him as a certain Spider-Man. Yes, yes. I didn't... But the tried and true one, you know, the the kind of goofy nerd who gets these powers, who you know, is just just this guy, not not particularly uh, not particularly smooth talker, not very popular, um, just you know, all these things, not not like a great looking dude or anything, just like an average Joe. Uh, I guess it's, it's kind of how I always saw myself in a way. And I guess that was kind of the that was the appeal of Spider Man. He was just this, he was just Joe Schmo, and he gets these powers and he does his thing. Um, I never really felt like any of these the actors that played him before had that that genuine quality about him. I felt like oh they can the way they're they're acting in this movie they could be like in a romantic comedy in a horror movie you know they're just playing these parts. Whereas Tom Holland is so just genuine and likable, like like the sort of dude who you know you you'd probably like to hang out and nerd out with about Star Wars or something. But yeah, that's that's really really his appeal right there. I mean, he's just kind of nerdy, dorky, but at the same time, just kind of cool, funny. Um, yeah, he he. Even though he hasn't been in a lot of movies, I certainly certainly think he was a good, a, a really decent actor, especially in this. Obviously, it's only the second movie I've seen him in. Sure, yeah, I was familiar with him before his whole bringing. I saw the movie The Impossible that he was in, 
which is a movie about a family that was in uh, in Asia during that giant tsunami. Oh, okay. And he played one of the kids. And, I mean, he was fine in that. It was kind of the classic heavy drama movie where he was one of the sons. But he was good. And uh, it didn't really showcase him to say, oh, yeah, he could be Spider-Man. But it did show, I mean, that he could act, you know. And so I was a, just slightly familiar with him before. This. But any other strong points as far as uh, I, I'm, I'm, Tom Holland would be your big one right now. We both have already kind of concurred that we thought Michael Keaton was uh, a strong point in this movie. Anything else in this movie? Um, can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, the supporting cast with the – um, with the exception exception of Robert Downey Jr., I thought was really strong. Uh, Marissa Tomei. It's been a while since I saw her in a movie where I thought she actually did a good job. Uh, I thought she was pretty excellent. Um, the actor that played his best friend in the movie, mm-hmm. I really liked him. Zendaya was good. Um, the cast was just really strong in this. I mean. Uh, even the actor who played Matt Gargan, who eventually goes on to become Scorpion, uh, I thought was pretty pretty compelling in his own little way. Yeah, yeah, th- they did. He, uh, whoever worked. I mean, obviously the director is probably someone involved, and whoever else he had helping with casting, they did a good job of filling in people who would at least right now be considered supportive, and even in some cases really supportive, but have possibilities down the road that uh really gave it a flavorful background in the movie and yeah like you're right like yeah like these small roles like scorpion where it's like oh i'm excited to see what where that could go in the future that guy seems interesting even though you know he had what three minutes of talking in this movie you know or something like that you know three minutes of talking in a in a related note uh makai pfeiffer i thought was actually pretty cool in this uh, he's he hasn't really been in any big. That big... was Mackay Pfeiffer. He was the shocker. Yeah, I know who you're talking yeah. about. I never, I didn't. Oh, I didn't mean to spoil this movie for you, but a version of Shocker shows up. Yeah, with just one glove, but he's actually pretty cool. I didn't realize that was Mackay Pfeiffer. Yeah, I think he... I'm just used to him with like more facial hair or something, and I didn't like it didn't dawn on me that's who that was. It looked like he bulked up for this role too. Yeah, maybe. Because the last thing I saw him in was uh, Fargo, and he was actually pretty skinny in that. The TV show Fargo? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was not in the uh, 99 Fargo movie, man. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, What about what I'm getting from you so far is people. The strong point of this movie was pretty much all the people in it. Yes. What are you, like, is there anything, like, what about the story? Um, I did like the story of him kind of being uh, in high school, just trying to get by day to day. Um, I didn't really like, uh, I guess the one negative of that was uh, who they had as Flash Thompson. Yeah, he's some guy who I think kind of broke out in Grand Budapest Hotel, yeah, I believe. I, I can't right? remember his name, but yeah, I'm familiar with the guy. Um, I just, I don't know. He was, he just seemed kind of out of place. I think he did. He did. You you stole one of my weak points <laughs> because he's almost at the top of my list for weak points in this movie. He's not the top, but he's one of the top. He's terrible, and I mean that in every sense of the word terrible because they made him such an overly despicable person that yeah, it made him almost like goofily out of place because he's so overly despicable almost like he's in the wrong spider-man movie or something yeah um, and and it's i just felt like they felt like they needed to have some sort of version of flash thompson in this and that's what they decided to go with and it's a bad choice yeah uh, for those of you who don't know flash thompson is traditionally uh like an all-star athlete in high school yeah, and Ooh. that didn't even bother me. The fact that he's not an all-star athlete and is supposed to be just kind of one of the smart kids. Yeah. It's just, it was stupid. They could have made him a sort of competition without being just so overly despicable. Well, that's the problem. I mean, the Flash Thompson in the comic was actually 
a huge fan of Spider-Man. Like, right. If someone was talking trash about Spider-Man, he would actually get in their face, and he just believed in Spider-Man. Like, and they could have. I think they even could have met in the middle. Like, you don't need to have him become a fan of Spider-Man like they did in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, and you don't have to be have him be the punching you in the face Flash Thompson that they did in the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans. But meet somewhere in the middle of those. Yeah, I think I think they were just trying to essentially have like someone who was like the same, essentially the other side of the coin that Peter Parker represented. Like smart kids going to this school, they they like the same things. Kind of yeah, okay, I could see that because he both, really he right he is the flip of the coin, isn't he? Both awkward. Only difference is Flash Thompson just is that guy who's like. I, I need to be center stage. Pay attention to me. Look what I'm doing. Yeah, I see what you mean. Because he was still overconfident, just in like a more annoying sort of way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every scene he was in, he kind of just... He's annoying. Yeah, very, very much so. Which, which is... Which, you, which us just saying this, you're going, wasn't that a good thing? Because he is supposed to be kind of an antagonist, like the high school antagonist of Peter, but... He was annoying in like the off-putting sort of way, like off-putting as in it reminded you that you were watching a movie, which isn't a good thing. When you're yeah. watching a movie, you don't want to be reminded you're watching a movie. You want to be in the movie, <laughs> in the story, and not be yeah. I don't know. I could talk about how bad that decision was all day. I just uh just gonna throw that out there. That's definitely one of my weak points. Yeah. So uh, kind of back to high points. Yeah, back to your high points. You liked a lot of the the story aspects of him in yeah. high school. The humor of it, I thought, was just, it was actually humorous. It wasn't like cheap shots of humor that make you chuckle. But then when you watch it, you're like silence. You know, it was like genuine, actually comedic moments. Um, I thought that was cool. the The conversations he had with his, I'll just straight up call him his sidekick. Yeah, his guy in the chair. <laughs> yeah. His his friend Ned, like he's like, you need a guy in the chair. And I thought that I thought that was really funny because if you think back to like even like just the goofiest Disney shows like Kim Possible. Yeah, Kim Possible would be the my favorite example of a guy in the chair where she has this guy in a chair who just shows up on her watch, but you never see him. <laughs> Other than like on computer screen, like he doesn't seem to go to school at her school. He's the ultimate guy in the chair, and that's what Ned wants to be—is Peter's guy in the chair. <laughs> Which I—that was funny. I didn't yeah. think that was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His his friend is his friend worked. If you yeah. want to talk about an addition of trying something new in this world of Peter Parker, that that worked. That that aspect of it, and just. Uh, you know, there were times where maybe they made choices I wouldn't have made with how they used Ned, but I, overall, it worked. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. Should we do... Should I do maybe I'll do some of my strong points first. For All me. right. Let's... So, I would have to say, uh, yeah, Tom Holland works. Just, uh, he, he... Yeah, he just... He looks right as far as like a high schooler. He doesn't look like a thirty-year-old playing a high schooler. And the the one thing that maybe he was missing a little bit was, which he did more in Civil War. Now that I think about it, was he wasn't quite as quippy in this. Which, uh, whatever. But he really he does a good he he does good when he f- he fits. And and in this world they've given him, he fits into this world that they've given him as Peter Parker and Spider Man. So that was that was really really fun to see that this character that they introduced in Civil War that you that kind of got you excited works. You know that he works. Other positives, um, anytime you have Michael Giacchino doing your music is a high point in my book. I thought this is one of his best musical scores. I loved how he integrated the original Spider-Man 60s TV show theme <laughs> into a couple aspects. Um, that was definitely fun. Like I mentioned, Michael Keaton just kind of reminding you that there can be good villains. 
in these movies uh and just kind of opening a little bit of a door into these other villains that they could bring into this world through him uh introduction of damage control i thought that was cool which those of you who aren't familiar with it i don't know how they're going to use him in the mcu but they're this government group that cleans up after the superheroes and they actually have their own comic book line right yeah and uh in fact there was talk and maybe they're still planning on doing it because they had a lady the actress who they had as lead i recognize she didn't have much big part in this there was talk a while back of a TV show, a damage controlled TV show. And so I don't know if that's still going to happen and that's hmm. their plan because it could be like kind of like Agents of Shield, you could use it to tie into MCU things. Could be a terrible idea too. <laughs> but uh I thought that was kind of fun to kind of tie that in cuz it's like who cleans up after all these messes, you know, and so oh, they just kind of had Tony Stark kind of make this group with the government. Which reminds you that Tony Stark is apparently still working closely with the government because he used to be Mr. Rogue. And now this not only did all the Civil War things happen, but now Damage Control, they specifically said in this movie that he funded with the help of the government. So another reason to not like Iron Man still. (laughs) Still cronies with the government. I don't know if that's going to be good. Yeah, uh, I thought... Ned was a good choice, having this kind of friend to kind of anchor you a little bit in his high school world. Um, As far as story, though, I can't say I thought story was a strong point in this movie. I thought this movie was extremely all over the place. Yeah. Because they... (laughs) It was weird, but... It felt like there was just too many different storylines all happening at once, and there wasn't enough of a single thread through them all to hold them all together right. And so it made some scenes, when you jump from one scene to the next, very jumpy. Yeah, like it was going from one style of a movie to a completely different style of a movie. Yeah, which brings me to another thing I thought was weak. I thought everyone in this movie was overly excited that they got to make a movie that was allowed to be funny and they almost went too funny with some things yeah um i don't know why but it seems like that's the way marvel's kind of pushing things like they just want the movie to be chock full of comedy well i like ant-man but my fear of when Ant-Man was a success, was don't pull a DC. You know, just... Because I, well, I think what happened with DC is the Dark Knight... Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy was very successful. And everybody goes, oh, we like this dark. And then all DC heard was, we want more dark. And they did the wrong kind of dark. And they're making things dark that don't need to be dark, you know? And I feel like that's what could happen to marvel now is that everybody goes oh ant-man was so refreshing it was great to have have it be funny and have funny sidekicks and i was laughing and then marvel's like we need more funny in just make things funny and uh yeah it's just it's there these are the tropes you can fall into when you have such a large large audience you're trying to please that Sometimes you can fall into pigeonholing yourself by trying to please a large audience, which seems ba- like it wouldn't happen, but it does. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, Comic-Con recently just ended, and we got a slew of new trailers uh, from both DC and Marvel. And, mm-hmm. and everything in between. Yeah. <laughs> and one that I feel like is definitely misleading uh, would be the Thor Ragnarok one. I feel like that's a movie that probably is going to be a lot darker than the tones leading on. I, I think it's going to be a little more middle ground. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little more middle ground people think. I think they're I think that's another case where they're afraid. Where they're trying to be reassuring because everybody's problem with the first two Thor movies is that they're kind of droll and slow and even though everybody like Thor and Loki, oh people 
really liked Loki. <laughs> but even though, you know, they weren't excited about the movies. And so we're like, we'll throw in, you know, Goofy, and we'll throw in the Hulk, and you're going to love it now, you know, or something like that. But I think you're right. I think it will be a little more than that. But, uh, but as far as, as Spider-Man Homecoming, I guess I just found the overall, like, I just felt like you're jumping, it was jumping a little bit, and I thought it damaged some scenes, like, yeah. I guess if you really care about knowing too much, you might want to skip about two or three minutes here. Because <laughs> I, I think the only way I can really demonstrate this is to give this example, which is spoilerish. So just go ahead and jump a couple minutes. Okay, if you're still here, you can... <laughs> okay. When he is under the rubble, when Spider-Man ends up under that rubble, and he starts just yelling, Help! Help! You know, like, you're all of a sudden seeing that he is just a kid. And this scene, I think that's the scene that, pun intended, but not really, cemented. <laughs> since he's under cement. It's cemented in Peter Parker's mind that maybe he isn't ready. You know, in that moment when he's screaming for help and is kind of stuck there. But at the same time, still finds strength to push through and so I think it what it's that scene is what's supposed to kind of solidify his thinking process going forward. And yet, what's the scene that they jump to right after it? I'm pretty sure is the Ned scene in the library when he gets caught by the teacher and does yeah. like what I I mean I get it it was funny, but I feel like that could have been put somewhere else and worked just as well. But when you put it right after that, I thought it really damaged that big moment, for possibly Peter's biggest moment in the movie. Yeah, they uh, definitely took away from the pacing of it, that's for sure. And pacing, which, I mean, is always an issue with uh, with the big movies, to pace it right. Well, the and For the most part, I would say this movie, the pacing was okay. There was just too much going on, maybe. or, 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 or That's not even the right way to put it. I don't know how to put it. It's yeah, they were trying to make light of things that make a situation feel light when they really shouldn't have. Uh one another example would be uh uh Michael Keaton's character kills a guy just flat out boom yeah. dead. He's <laughs> yeah. ash, he's gone, and boom, immediately we get a joke. We and do. all of a sudden we're like ah, <laughs> ah silly thinking that was another weapon that wasn't lethal, but it was. I see what you did there. <laughs> and then immediately yeah. goes back to serious when he throws the gauntlet thing to Makai Fiber's character. He's like, "Congrats, you're the new shocker." And yeah. it's like back to serious. And it's like, yep. "Oh, okay, so this is the shocker." Right on, cool. Yeah, it was all. Yeah, there were just a few things that were just, it was like I don't know, and yeah, uh, I mean. It's one of those things where it's it's nobody's fault, it's everyone's fault. I don't know. I mean, it's just it was just one of those things. All that being said, I found this movie to be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, that's what's weird about it. It averages out to be pretty good, yes. That's but what's weird about my version of pretty good is above standard, above average. And so cuz the thing is is you, when you say things like what I've said, it should usually tell you like well, it wasn't that great, and I didn't leave excited. And yet, even though there was these flaws, I still left excited and okay with it, which I found kind of interesting when I thought about it later. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to the weak points? <laughs> well, I mean, I've you've been you can go on to some of your I've been given some of my weak points right. here. So, what what other weak points do you have? Uh, let's see. We had Flash Thompson, definite weak point. Uh, another high point: the Captain America cameos. Loved them. Def- yeah, definitely could have used more Captain America cameos. Th- those were pretty good. I like the way they, if since they decided to use them, to use, that was a cool way to do it. Uh, another glaring flaw: too much Tony Stark. Uh, too much, too much lecturing by Tony Stark about being, uh, yeah, not being reckless. You're right because I think the impact they wanted Tony Stark to have in this movie could have been the same with less of him. Yeah, I mean. He's 
he's kind of been corrupted. I mean, his all his moral authority that he has, it's like there's not much left, man. Like you're coming down on this kid, but for all we know, you're like creating some sort of weapon that's going to destroy the world next and yeah, I just found it a little I found it a little hard to take and annoying. For all we know, Ultron could come back. Uh, yeah. Anyway, no comment on that. I won't spoil the movie anymore. But uh, another thing that kind of annoyed me, and it it feels like this is how the Marvel movies are going, uh, the suit was pretty much all-powerful. The suit had an AI. It was telling him what to do, how to do this, that, get out of this situation. Essentially, they were trying to make Spider-Man into Iron Man a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, why are we having another villain where, or another hero, I'm sorry, where the suit is all powerful? That was Ant-Man's thing. It was the suit that made him able to do the things he was able to do when in the comics it was just the pin particles. Just like, yeah. that's all he needed. He didn't need a suit. He used the helmet to control ants, but yeah. They tried to get all more sciencey with it. Like, if he wasn't in the suit, he would die, basically, or something. Yeah, and then next, next, you know, it's gonna be oh, it's not the sh- the suit that T'Challa wears is is powered by <laughs> powered by nanotech. And... His dad actually controls him from the dead. <laughs> it's just I feel like all these here, it's like you just take away the suit and they're it's like ha ha, I won. It's true because. If you do think about that too hard, it's like one of the things one of the things that's really crucial to the Spider Man whatever you want to call it, his mythos. mythos, there's the word, is that you take away the suit, he still has an I he still has an identity type thing. Yeah. Whereas in and that even seemed to be the point of this movie, in a sense. And yet you're right. They made his suit so powerful that, like, he wouldn't almost know how to do anything without it, <laughs> except for maybe walk up a wall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just weird that, you know, the suit's telling him what attack to use. And essentially well, I think contr- some of it, too, is that he didn't really have spider sense. Yeah. and then I it, don't know if they're going to get into that. I don't know. And then it looked like the suit was able to control him a little bit. And it's like... Uh, I was confused about that, too. Yeah. In the wrong hands, they could essentially hijack Spider-Man. You just need to find another five eight person <laughs> yeah. to put on the suit. Yeah, and they could be. Although, in a related note, one thing I did think was cool: it was Jennifer Connelly that did the voice. Yeah, which is in real life Jarvis's wife. So yeah, Jarvis and Karen, as she's called in this movie, um, are married in real life, which is kind of a funny thing Marvel did there. So, and she wore—I mean, she was a good voice. I mean, she yeah. worked for it. So maybe Jennifer Connelly will become a superhero like Jarvis. <laughs> They'll mm. just go way off, way off the track. Interesting, yeah. Oh, gal. I don't know who she'd be, but Gwen, Gwenpool, or what's that ridiculous? Or Spider to... Gwen? That's what. Oh, I, mean. God. <laughs> I think she's a little past her prime yeah, to be she's playing a Gwen. Bit. Yeah, I, I got nothing. <laughs> Me neither. So Kate Blanchett's already hella, so she can't be that. <laughs> so yeah, but Death, I guess. Yeah. But it was uh but again to go back, it was still a fun movie. Um in a related note, the ending line hit me so hard I about uh before the credits rolled, I don't mean the after credit scene, all of that got me too. I was losing it in the seat as Oh, As with the, the last, last line of the, the movie was said. Line. That was a pretty good way to leave the movie hanging, <laughs> like where it's like, oh, I see what you did there. That's pretty good. Uh, that was pretty, yeah. So, um, and you definitely have to stick around during your credits, but you all know that. It's Marvel. You got to stick around during the credits. You never know what's going to happen. So, you could see Jeff Goldblum dancing. That's what happened at volume two of Guardians of the Galaxy. So, you just never know. And that was amazing. And I had a big crush on him. No. <laughs> but no. So 
that being said, let's go ahead and let's let's grade this, Dakota. Where where would you put this on the A to F scale? Oh, okay. Uh, B plus. B plus. Okay. Uh, if I were to put on, a, it's hard. Let's see. I gotta. Th- it's hard because you want to make sure you grade it with a little bit of knowledge of that there's other Spider-Mans where you don't grade it too high or low compared to those. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Well, you know, I don't want to, like, say, this movie's this. And oh. Then, and then you think to yourself, like, well, actually, I think this other Spider-Man is better or, and or worse, and I would grade, you know. Oh, okay. So you're grading it in the realm of Spider-Man movies? I'm grading it in the realm of just movies in general. Oh, I that's what I to, did. I, I just mean... have to make sure I get it in there correctly. And so I guess putting that all into perspective, I would have to give it a B. But it's a solid B. Yes, so. it's a solid B. <laughs> it's a solid B. I feel like this is one of those movies that after, even after a few years, is probably still going to be like fresh in your mind. Like, oh, yeah, that was I, good stuff. And that's the thing. Like, this movie will hold up. It'll it'll hold up a lot a lot better than the last two. We said that <laughs> we say that only because uh, a couple previous movies we held in esteem don't seem so good now. Uh, I know we briefly talked about it before, but my love of Doctor Strange is non-existent at this point. I think it's an okay movie. So, what about you, Stephen? Was there another one off the top of your head? I think. Has lost its luster. That's lost its luster since we talked about it. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to just come up with one. I don't remember. I'm sure. Or Warcraft, maybe. I didn't see Warcraft. <laughs> that never had any luster. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll think of one eventually, but I can't think of one right now. But yeah, it, I mean, but. <laughs> That being said, I still think that this one truly will uh, hold up for the foreseeable future anyway. <laughs> so, um, oh, I know one that's lost its luster. No, never mind. That did- oh, I know one that lost its luster. Jurassic World. Understandable. I still I still like it. I still think it's, it's, it's fine entertaining. But I remember after I first saw it, I thought it was awesome. Whereas I wouldn't quite put it at awesome anymore, but um, you know what? You know what one has gained a little bit though is Ro- no Rogue One. Oh, well, is, you you never really liked that one in the first place. No, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. Too, I was pretty sure I was okay with it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and now I have to say that it's pretty good. It's pretty good. After much deliberation, after folks. after much deliberation and twelve angry men. <laughs> And I had to wear them all down, just like Fonda. <laughs> no, no, they wore me down. But, um, yeah, yeah. So there it is. The Jurassic World would be my lost luster, and one that's a little more of uh, a little more shiny than I first gave credit for. Would be Rogue One. <laughs> Has there any? What about you? Is there any that's gained luster? Is that a thing? Oh man, I don't know. What's one that we, that you've hated on the show? <laughs> Trying to think a little bit here. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to really think about it. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's tougher to do that because not too many, too many times it's a movie gain. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. That being said, we. I would. I mean, I definitely would say check out Spider-Man: Homecoming. Uh, if you're not probably a fan, I mean, you're not going to go to this if you're not a fan of superhero, but if you like superhero movies, this is going to be a fun one easily. And, uh, yeah, I recommended, uh, a couple people take dates out on, take dates to this movie. So it would be a good date movie because it's just fun. You'd be able to, it's not a movie where you would feel uncomfortable looking at each other because there'd be moments (laughs) Well, what I mean is, you know, sometimes you're at a movie and it's like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I should give them a glance or something, and you never do because you don't find. But this movie would have those moments where you could laugh and make eye contact and have maybe a couple magic moments during the movie. So that afterwards, you'd have something to talk about instead of feeling awkward that you never looked at them for the whole movie. I feel like we're delving into <laughs> Steven's history, folks. I I don't. I married my first <laughs> girlfriend, so there is no history. I'm just going off what I've seen in commercials. 
<laughs> oh, okay. No, but what what I'm getting at is just oh boy, we're really what's our what's our time? You're going off on a tangent here. <laughs> as long as you don't laugh like Gilbert Godfrey, you'll be okay, folks. What I'm getting at is movies can be a good first date or a bad first date depending on making sure you still somewhat interact with the person you're at the movie with. But there's not always capabilities to interact at a movie. But if it's a movie that involves levity, you're able to have a few moments during the movie that might help gain a little more of a connection between the two of you. Yeah, hence why I recommended this movie as a date movie. Yeah. Yes. And I'm agreeing. Okay, all right. Do you concur? (laughs) If you get yeah, that, if you get, absolutely. if you get that reference, why didn't I concur? <laughs> it's from a movie. Let's Indubitably, see if, see if any of you can figure out which movie that was from. Besides my wife, I know you know Valerie. All right. So yeah, check it out. Check out Spider-Man: Homecoming, and uh, we'll hope we'll be. We'll, <laughs> we won't. Hopefully, we will be back soon. Uh, we'll start getting these out a little more often again. We enjoy doing it. We hope you enjoy listening and uh and we have a lot more to talk about and we have a lot more to talk about another thing that might be fun to do on the show and especially if we heard that you would be interested in it we would definitely do it is to not is to maybe just take some recommendations from you and i would say even in the realm of tv shows like if there's like a tv show you'd want to check out we could watch a few episodes and talk about it or things like that just send some recommendations our way for things like that. So we can talk about those things. So yeah, any feedback like that would be great. And where you can do that would be Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, since they haven't connected yet. We can't say, check us out on you twit face because if they just connect, it'd be a lot easier just to say you twit face, but they haven't. So, but we are in those places. You can like us, subscribe. Uh, there's been a lot of comic con stuff lately. Like we brought up and we've been trying to put some of that onto our Facebook page let you guys in on some of those things that are happening there, new movie things and knowledge and deaths that have been happening lately. And so we hope you guys are taking advantage of those things, and we'll catch you soon. This is Steven. This is Dakota. 